morning from the team here at 1.37 p.m. This is 7.31 a.m. Let's get the day going. Good morning, 1.37 p.m. family. Thank you for getting your day started with the 7.31 a.m. podcast. Thank you for getting your week started with the 7.31 a.m. podcast as well. My name is Bo Templin. I'm excited to be hosting today. We have a story over in style. So later on, I will be handing over the reins to Charlie Kohlbrenner, our expert in style and fashion. But we will get going over in today's show. Oh, actually, let's let's get the let's get the date going. Today is Monday, August twenty second, twenty twenty two. Can't believe we almost missed it. Uh, we will say happy birthday to Kristen Wiig. She is truly one of the funniest people in Hollywood. Over the last two decades, I don't know if there's there's not many people who could probably compete with her resume. Bridesmaids, SNL, the the resume is stacked and impressive. Here's a fun fact about Kristen Wiig. Uh, Kristen Wiig studied art at the University of Arizona. Go Wildcats. Uh, she studied art over at University of Arizona. At one point, she took a acting class because she just needed the credits. And her teacher actually said, no, 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 no. You're, you're pretty good at this. You should definitely do more than just this class moving forward. And prior to that, Kristen Wiig had zero thoughts about being in show business. Um, and she kind of notoriously does not interact in the social scene of Hollywood, right? She just kind of acts and then gets out of the limelight. So uh, happy birthday to Kristen Wiig. We have a great slew of shows this week. I'm excited to get all the different stories. I am shaking up this show. I want to instill even more life and energy into it um, than we already are. So let's do this here. We're going to start today's show over in sports. And wow, oh my God, what a fight weekend it was. Sports. I enjoyed myself on Saturday night. I was at Top Rank Boxing's event in San Diego, California at the Pachanga Arena. I was with my buddy Jack Haggerty. We were sitting in some fucking bananas seats. Like absurd ringside sitting next to like the Muhammad Ali family. And actually Muhammad Ali's grandson was the opener for the main event. Um, or excuse me, the main card, Nico Ali Walsh is his name, and he landed this ridiculous, nasty body shot right to the liver. Beautifully timed, beautifully executed. Uh, it was fun to watch him celebrate with the family. They're right next to us going crazy. Me and my buddy Jack have to keep our mouths shut because we don't want to piss off anyone on the other side. We're certainly trying not to piss off anyone in the Ali family as well. Uh, but wow, what an incredible night of boxing. Fun to just see it live. The hits just, they're different. You're in that front row and those hits just feel different. The sounds, the energy, the, the ferocity that comes with those punches, man. You go to a fight live, it will change how you see fighting for forever. You will never see fighting the same again once you see an event live. Uh, the main event saw Emmanuel Navarrete defend his title at 130 pounds. This is a guy I've kind of fallen in love with a little bit over the last year, year and a half in boxing. And he also landed an insane body shot. So out of the three fights on the main card, two ended up with just ridiculous body shots. And uh, that was after Navarrete probably lost a couple of the first rounds. Um, but man, we just, we had so much fun and I was, I was lighting up my Instagram story feed for that one. No doubt about it. On Saturday, we also saw Anthony Joshua go up against Alexander Usyk in the rematch. And we've, we have enough evidence now, people. Usyk is just the better boxer. It's plain and simple. No need to even really expand beyond that. 
Joshua's limited, and you know, he made clear improvements in this fight. Clear, strategic improvements. And I expect Joshua to have maybe another five to ten fights. I don't think they're gonna be against top five level fighters, and uh, I think it will be fun to watch. I, I think him going on this tour around Europe, coming to the United States, taking on guys that maybe aren't top 10, but maybe more, or excuse me, not top five, but more like top 10. That's where he probably falls now. Uh, for Usyk, he wants Tyson Fury. If he fights Tyson Fury, it will be for the undisputed heavyweight champion in boxing. This is something we have not had in, God, I don't even know how long. We have not had an undisputed champ in so so long and and this would be certainly a fun fight to watch i just think fury's too big i think fury's just too damn big fury is a boxer who happens to be big joshua is a big athlete who happens to box and and that is the different and then let's head on over to the ufc holy shit. what a night in the ufc so with 50 seconds left in the fight, he's losing on all three judges' scorecards. Did Leon Edwards pull off one of the biggest upset wins in UFC history? Now, when you look at the biggest wins in UFC history, uh, at least upset-wise, a lot of people think about Diaz beating McGregor, and I was certainly excited about it, but I kind of thought that it was a possibility. That was about plus 310 on the odds. Brownie points earned for short-notice fights uh, and impeccable trash talk. Juliana Pena, how about how about her upset win over Amanda Nunes? Plus 700. Bonkers numbers. Michael Bisping, the fellow Brit, was plus 500 for his miraculous win against Luke Rockhold. Leon Edwards was plus 300 for his fight against Usman. But this felt different. This one certainly felt different than the ones that we just mentioned. First of all, uh, for it to be a head kick knockout, one shot over that's different than winning a decision that's different than uh prolonging the fight it's different than what Pena did it's different than what Diaz did right those two kind of waited for their opponents to die out Edwards landed the shot like this was not luck this was not by chance with 50 seconds left in the fight Leon Edwards pulled off the impossible it was it was not um, you know, oh, he just threw the head kick and it happened to be there. He selected a target, got him to react and fired. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, as, as much fun of a fight weekend as, as you're going to get. And wow, did I enjoy it. Uh, heading on over into entertainment. Entertainment. It was anime that dominated the box office. Anime, the top dog this weekend as Dragon Ball Super Superhero Reign Supreme. Pulling in a solid $21 million at the domestic box office. It's the first anime film to lead a weekend at the box office in over 20 years. Backed by the anime production house Crunchyroll, which specializes in anime, Dragon Ball beat out the Idris Elba-led film Beast, which also was released this weekend, earning $11.5 million. The anime film was well-received by both critics and fans and served as another example of the passionate fan base that anime has in the United States earlier this year. Another film uh, reached a remarkable 17 and a half million, and that was, uh, and I'm going to just apologize here on the pronunciation, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, uh, and that was a 2022 release. 
again, bringing in 17 and a half million. And then in 2021, Demon Slayer, the movie, uh, generated 21.2 million. So there's some evidence here. There is, there's evidence that these movies will succeed if they're released and, and they're done well. And in other major box office news, Top Gun Maverick officially passed Avengers Infinity War as the sixth highest grossing domestic release in history with 600 and 83 million dollars that's that's some good stuff and then just one more story to touch over in entertainment for the first time ever streaming hours overtook cable so according to cnn in july uh streaming was 34.8 percent of the share in total tv consumption that is 23 percent growth over the past year cable and broadcast viewership dropped year over year and now it is now at 34.4%. And both fell, though, around 10% compared to July of 2021. And hearing the stat, this just excites me about uh, movies like Prey. Prey was released on Hulu. It is the prequel to the first Predator movie. And I was disappointed because the movie is so kick-ass, so much fun, that I was bummed that maybe people were missing out on it. This felt like a movie that if this was out in theaters, maybe buzz would have been generated. But hearing this stat, I'm encouraged uh, encouraged for movies like Prey. Well, folks, that'll do it in entertainment. That'll do it over in sports. But now I'm going to hand it on over to Charlie Colbrenner, who will take care of the story and style. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am excited for the rest of the week. Thank you for listening to 731. Charlie Colbrenner, take it away. Yeah, thank you for that, Bo. Um, I just did a profile this week for the Style Vertical that posed a lot of interesting questions, um, and I felt that it was worth talking about on the podcast. I published this on Friday, um, spoke to him earlier last week. So there's this guy, Donnie the D-Book. Uh, D-Book is D-Y-B-B-U-K. You can find him on Instagram. Um, it's a Yiddish word that means demon, um, and he told me it was his name because he sort of identified as kind of a black sheep or outsider throughout a lot of his life. Um, but so he makes these sneakers that are, he puts a logo on traditional Nike silhouettes, essentially. Um, and our conversation was mostly so interesting because I think he really demonstrates this evolution of sneaker culture that is going on right now where like rips or ripoffs of other silhouettes are actually such a big part of the culture and um, a quote that we talked about a lot through our conversation which is from Virgil Abloh because I think Virgil Abloh in a big way sort of made this mainstream is the idea that like Virgil Abloh was not reinventing the wheel or coming up with crazy styles he was always tweaking sort of existing things in a way that made them even sicker so in a speech at the Columbia University Graduate School of Architecture a few years ago, Virgil said, my greatest design tool personally is to look at what that genre is doing and make it three to five percent different. It's in a way trolling. And I think that this is a big part, big ethos that was through all of his work and through a lot of people's work like streetwear and contemporary style is so much about this taking silhouettes and familiar ideas that are working and then tweaking them in minor ways. I think a lot about Jound, JJJ Jound, that designer, all the collabs that they do. Traditionally, a lot of the time it's like a sneaker that you know what it looks like and then they make just some subtle little tweak to it that makes it in my opinion honestly way sicker and then the resale prices are insane and you can argue that maybe they're not worth it for the resale prices but like i do think so much of contemporary sneaker culture is about taking these silhouettes that we know and love and then making sort of changes to them and so donnie the d book does these um these nike designs where he puts this other dice logo on them among other work but his most famous are these lucky sevens and now he's like built this empire selling them um and it, it's a great interview you should listen to it he just like mostly is grateful for being able to have this business and support people in his life um and it's really nice and it was a sweet interview one of the biggest examples of it is bape 
um, and Nego and Bapes does like their most iconic sneaker are ripoffs. They're Air Force Ones that they put a different logo onto. Um, but we don't think of Bape as a Nike rip anymore. We think of Bape as one of the most important brands in streetwear. So I just think the article is interesting because he's an interesting guy and the brand is interesting, but also the conversation we had about sort of just the way that sneaker culture is evolving right now, I think is interesting. If you're in the resale sneaker game or just into sneakers or contemporary style, I think you'll like it. Um, check it out on the website. Donnie the D-Book is demonstrating the evolution of sneaker culture. Um, it was a fun one. And that'll do it for today's episode. For more detail on these stories and more, head over to 137pm.com or follow us on our social media channels. We will be back tomorrow. As always, remember to stay curious. Stay curious.